Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Come on, G, kick it. Oh, man. I get to be the intro guy? Welcome to the Tip of the, tip of the Tower podcast. It's me, Demar, here with Chris O'Krenitz. And we're here to talk about uh, the Raptors versus Cavs. Well, guys, welcome to the second round. Get excited. Well, you don't sound too excited. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to get excited when you're playing the, the NBA champs, man. You get a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous about the series. We're playing the Eastern Conference monolith, the juggernaut. David versus Goliath. I don't think it's that bad anymore, but you get where I'm going with this. It's LeBron James and the rest of his teammates. But it's LeBron James versus the Raptors. Right, see, see why I'm nervous? Yeah, I'd be nervous too. I mean, he's the only guy on this planet who can literally take out any team. We always like to say, you know, if you take LeBron to the Cavs and put him on this team, how good would they be? He's just, he's that transcending. He's our era's Michael Jordan. Yeah, exactly. So, when you have to play that guy in the second round, nobody has beat him in like six years in the playoffs. You know, like he's made it to the finals every six years in a row. It's hard to muster that courage to be like, yeah, man, we're down for this. We're about to crush this team. We're kind of like, we're the, we're the David, man, and the Goliath. And we, we got our sling, right? Our trusty sling, duh, which is DeMar DeRozan. And we're going to see if we're going to make this happen. We got a lot more rocks <laughs> than usual. I'll tell you that much. We're throwing boulders now. We're not just throwing little, <laughs> little pebbles now. You know? Yeah, I think exactly. This is the Raptors' best chance to beat the Cavs ever. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, the bronze team is... This is probably the weakest version of the Cavs that has uh, existed so far. The championship version of it, or the playoff version of it. So, with the the Raptors, this is the best version of the Raptors. I can see how anybody's, anybody can think that, you know, this is, our, this is our best chance, man. Everybody's looking around at each other, you know, media, fans, looking around, it's like, man, I think we can do this. You know, nobody's nobody's saying it out loud. I mean, we're saying it out loud right now, but everybody's thinking it's like, I think we have a chance. I think we have a chance. And nobody wants to jinx it because that's how it works in Toronto, man. Yeah, but I think there's legitimate reason for optimism here. Like, this Cavs team has a leaky defense. All season they've been all about, you know, we'll try when we have to. And it's really tough to do that, to, to go on and just flick a switch out of nowhere and, like, ramp up your intensity and just play playoff basketball. I know we saw bits and pieces of it against the Pacers, but it's still extremely hard to play championship basketball against a team that's a lot better. Sometimes, you know, you get caught sleeping, and it's really hard to put it all together just <laughs> in a seven-game series like that. Yeah, so man. Basically, the- what they're saying is we're going to mail it in for 82. Yeah, the offense is still working. The offense just never stops working. I think that's what it's like to play with, like, Chris Paul or, or like, Blake, or not Blake. I was going to say Blake Griffin. I was going to like, Chris Paul or, like, <laughs> Steph Curry or, like, LeBron James, where it's just, every, it just hums, you know? There's never, like... There's never times where, oh, man, how are we going to get our offense on this squad? You kind of just, like, look at him, and then he does this thing, and you just make sure you're ready for the ball. <laughs> you just make sure you're cutting and make sure you're ready for the ball. But the defense, that's a serious issue for the Cavs. And they've remedied it, remedied it in flashes during the Pacers games, but I'm not seeing it, man. I'm not convinced. Well, there's some other things working against them, too, if you believe in, like, statistical, I guess, trends. I mean... The Cavs finished, what, 13-14 and 14 to close up the regular season mm-hmm. since the All-Star break? The last team to win an NBA title with a losing record after the All-Star break was the 1968-69 Celtics. And that stat comes as per the Elias Sports Bureau. So, I mean, we could go into more things like that. Like, there's things with their defense, too, where they're one of the few teams to average over 100 points against the game. Like, they just they allow points at yeah, a allow ridiculous so rate. points, man. And the Pacers, not, not many teams win like that. And the Pacers weren't a good offensive team at all yeah you were going crazy watching that series you were like dude <laughs> this team is they're making the Pacers look really good on offense yeah. <laughs> it was so it's just so easy to get by like you know uh Channing Fry, you know Jared Smith it's just it's so easy Darren Williams like those guys don't really play defense Jared Smith was playing defense last year but he's taking a step back it's just 
when you're you running like you know Kyle Korver, which is surprising because I thought Kyle Korver was like a pretty decent defender with Atlanta. But when they're not, when you're not connected like a string on defense, then you're starting to see a lot of his like his flaws, and it's just it was jarring, dude. It's like the Pacers is basically Paul George and Monte Ellis for scoring, and that's about it. You know, they got a few yeah, shooters. They didn't have a lot it. of weapons, man. Which is sad to say because you feel like they're going to waste Paul George in his prime. Um, that's neither here nor there, though. I mean, you want to get into this a bit more about? Let's just let's just jump into the, the biggest topic. Mm-hmm. How do you stop LeBron James, or if not stop him, slow him down? If you're the Raptors, what are you going to do? If I knew the answer to this, I think I'd be being be getting paid like millions of dollars right now. Like yeah, we just <laughs> it's like yeah, you just do this, this, and that, and it's over. You know, forget about it. But we're at the point where it's just he just does. He's not stoppable. I mean, there are ways to slow him down if you have like Kawhi Leonard on your team or Andre Iguodala. Um, yeah, you have to be like in his airspace. You have to like jab at the ball, make sure he doesn't get too comfortable. That's about it. Does that sound like a person on this uh, on this Raptors team? Somebody that sounds like they can do that. I don't think it's going to be one guy in particular because there's issues with basically trying to do with just one man. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a couple guys that get thrown at him that can make things really interesting. One thing I saw the Pacers do a lot of last series was they threw Thad Young on him. So throwing that power forward on him, obviously it's a bigger body because the problem with LeBron is he's got the speed, si- speed and size combination, which he's just he's from a lab. Like The guy's not human. You know, He's just out here to play this perfect style of basketball that you can't stop. But you can at least slow it down, like you're saying, a bit. And by putting Thad Young on it, the Pacers kind of had him play more of more of isolation situations, and they would kind of hope LeBron would make a bad decision, which sounds like you're asking for a lot. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's like you got a fighting chance like that. Yeah, maybe would... the Raptors could do that with Patterson at times when Tucker's not on him. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Like throwing out names. That's what I'm happy to hear. That's one of my. Oh, favorite... I got a whole bunch of names written down here, man. <laughs> I, I probably spent like a solid hour and a bit just watching LeBron in. Pick and roll situations, ISO situations, and I went back and watched the Raptors film, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the best thing about the Raptors right now is like they have they have dudes that you could throw at him. I'm not saying that you're going to stop him, right? It's just like you have guys. The fam- the famous Bi- Bill Simmons um, idiom: we have guys to throw at him. Okay, it's not it's not going to stop him, but we have guys. Okay, and having like, that many guys too is you have a lot of fouls to give to throw at him as well. Like if PJ if uh, Demari Carroll comes in there and whacks him for four fouls right. in like nine minutes, I don't give a shit because he's going to frustrate him, and that's probably going to be a good thing. Because angry LeBron goes one of two ways: he either goes absolutely nuclear against you and you can't do anything, Boston or Celtics he gets frustrated. Like yeah, the Boston Celtics, we <laughs> saw that. Or he gets frustrated, tries to maybe score the ball too much, does things that aren't very LeBron. When LeBron's at his best, he's making decisions, he's moving the ball, he's extremely cerebral. Right. And you can't defend that because he makes everybody around him so much better. Like guys like Channing Fry are going to be jacking up twenty four points tonight because he's a Raptor killer number one. But number mm-hmm. two, LeBron gets in wide open looks. So when LeBron's able to do that, what the hell are you going to do? Right. Are you if LeBron in the post is probably the biggest the biggest issue, and that like manifested in Miami. So are you double are you double teaming him on that, or are we doing one v ones? Because then who are you putting on him? Probably PJ Tucker, but that means that you're he, he likes to do like that big small screen and roll. So he's probably going to be using like uh, Kyrie Irving to get Lowry on him. And I was thinking about you know how Delon Wright might be able to get some play in this series if he's going to do stuff like that. That's exactly who I wrote down with Delon Wright <laughs> because I went back and watched the Warriors Cavs last year. I don't know if you remember, but it's funny you allude to that. You know, Kyrie, LeBron, pick and roll, what they love to do. Mm-hmm. They did that to basically exploit Steph Curry at will. They, they didn't stop. They did it all the time. And I'm looking at this Raptors matchup, and I go, okay, if you go Lowry in the bench, because they like to do the LeBron in the bench, where they'll insert Kyrie at times too. Right. And they just run that one-two pick and roll, and they're going to go at Lowry. Mm-hmm. So maybe DeLon Wright instead of Corey Joseph to get the switch? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, I like that a lot. And I'm going to miss Corey Joseph's shooting, but the passing of uh, DeLon Wright is going to be able to make up on, a, on the offensive end. And plus, you know, DeLon is, like, super long, so he's going to be able to compensate, you know, for, like, the, he's probably going to be able to play small forward in that lineup. Right? He's going to 
when it's plus the bench, I don't know if PJ Tucker. It's gonna. It's harder the more I think about the teams and the lineups on this team for, well, for the Raptors versus the Cavs. The more convoluted it gets, and I can't really tell who's gonna be on the court when because, um, like, it's all matchup dependent, man. Yeah, it, it depends. It's, it's a chess match between Casey and Lou of who they're gonna put out there. Right. So think about last year's series when they put Biombo on LeBron a lot, which was crazy. They, they can't do that now. Like. The equivalent would be what Ibaka? Patterson, maybe Ibaka. Yeah, it's it, it's gotten to this weird a weird point where I'm, it's just hard to figure out the lineups that are going to happen. Like, could you even? Cause can you even think of the starting five for the Raptors in this game or in this series? Man, I've hum and hawed with this back and forth. I was all pro, you know, put PJ Tucker in there, go your typical Lowry, DeRozan, Tucker, Ibaka, JV. I thought that'd be good, but then I'm like, okay, well, you run into some issues with Tristan Thompson absolutely destroying Jonas Valanciunas at will. They just put him in space and they kill him. That's what the Cavs have done to JV all the time. And then if you put Tucker out there, yes, he can guard LeBron, but the issue is do you have enough offense then? Because what the Cavs love to do on D is they know they're going to make mistakes. They've basically accepted the fact that they're a shitty defensive team, Mm -hmm. so they're extremely (laughs) aggressive with their double teams, and they'll double team the ball handler, which will either be Lowry or DeRozan, and force it out of their hands. So does that mean Tucker can actually carry the load? And I'm not saying jack up like 20 to 30 points a night, but he's got to make those open looks because mm-hmm. the Cavs are going to force the ball out of DeRozan and Lowry's hands. So I'm kind of stuck. Like Norm yeah. is such a good slasher that he gives you the options, but then there's de- deficiencies on defense too. So I don't know. It's literally like pick your poison. If you're the Raptors, where are you most comfortable being vulnerable? Maybe at the gut. Maybe at the gut. All right, so we have the ever-famous Lowry, DeRozan, Carroll, Ibaka, and JV lineup. That's that, that was a, that was a regular. <laughs> that thing plays more than five minutes, and we're probably going to be down. <laughs> that was their regular season starting lineup, right? So um, I'm going to say that that was a no-go. So you probably replace Carroll for uh, for Tucker, right? So now you Just have. What is this? Look! Look at last year's series. It was like nightmare on Bay Street. LeBron destroyed Carroll. <laughs> All right, so you play Carroll instead of instead. I mean, sorry, you play Tucker instead of Carroll, right? It's still Ibaka and JV. Uh, Tristan Thompson has destroyed JV in every ma- every time they played played against each other, and uh, he's not like JV's not really a rim protector, and he's not really like a, a floor spacer like his. His benefit to the team is um, marginalized in this series. I mean, in every in every series, JV is being marginalized and like how much he actually contributes. Um, yeah, exhibit A, the Buck series that just happened, he was no longer in the starting lineup. He was coming off the oh. bench. Well, that would be good though if he can just basically learn anything from last series. Be Greg Monroe, come off the bench and dominate. And the thing with JV is he's not active enough mm-hmm. for a seven footer that's as big as him. Like. Yes, he has defensive defensive issues where his footwork is atrocious. Like he just he just can't get there and cut off guys that are coming off the baseline or slashing off the elbow. He just he just can't do it. I don't know why or whatever reason, but then just be that guy that's just ten to fifteen minutes of max effort. If he could do that, then maybe he could subside some of the things that Tristan Thompson's going to do to him because that's all going to be pick and roll, right? So I thought about that, right? And so if you're playing him off the bench, that means you're playing him against Channing Fry at center. Kind of risky. Kind of risky. <laughs> that is like it is. That risky. is like a death knell. I'm not sure about it. That's like a death knell for the bench because that that it's just like a pick and pop for free every time, and you're gonna have to switch it every time. So whoever, so it's either gonna have JV guarding LeBron or it's JV trying to like navigate a navigate underneath a screen and then getting out to uh, Channing Fry who will just like pump fake and then like lay it up. He loves that pump fake, right? So that's what I'm th- like. I'm thinking about JV in, in this ma- in this series, and I'm just like, do you even play him? Well, you kind of have to, but I don't know where or how. Right? So do you? So again, like I thought about him. Like I don't know where or how, and I don't see the benefit to any time of playing him. So do I ever play him? <laughs> See what I'm getting? I know. I know. It sounds like everybody's like, wow, "How are you going to be able? To, how are you going to take out your starting center um, for nothing?" 
like how are you just not gonna play him it's like give me the time where he's a benefit ever in this in this game well if you're gonna play him it's gonna be either against Tristan Thompson or Channing Fry. So you'd have to start him. Which guy are you more comfortable with? Yeah, okay. I was going to say, that's basically what I was going to ask you in a long-winded way, is where would you start him? So you start oh, sorry, him. where would you play him? I would start him. <laughs> so you start him, and then you would have Ibaka. And then, and then if you're... Basically, it's the lineup is cemented by JV. Because if you're not playing JV, then you can get really, really creative with that starting five. But if you're playing JV, then it's just Ibaka... Small insert small forward here. If you want to play super small with Norman Powell, then you can do that, or you can do Tucker, Demar Derozan, Lowry. Or if you want to get super frisky, which I also toyed with, was Lowry, Powell, Tucker, Ibaka, and JV. Demar Derozan off the bench. I don't know how Demar Derozan would feel about that. <laughs> I mean, it makes it makes sense when you look at it matchup wise. Well, I'm looking at it on paper. I'm like, this is a great idea, right? Yeah. But I couldn't see it happening. I think, going back to your point about JV being the guy that's going to be so important for their starting lineups, mm-hmm. and to be honest, really important for a lot of this series, because it's not just the first quarter where he's going to have to be big. Third quarter, there's going to be certain moments, even start of the fourth, like, there's going to be starters for starters. Like he's going to have to play huge. He's going to have to, like, destroy the glass. Like, he's just going to have to be on the glass 24-7. He's basically going to have to be, like, the Cavs to the Warriors in 2015. Yeah. Where he's just on the Here's the thing, too. Who are you more comfortable with killing you if you're the Raptors? Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love? Because if you play the small lineup that we saw them play against the Bucks, mm-hmm. you break down the matchups, and either DeMar DeRozan or Norman Powell is going to have to take on Kevin Love. Meaning, if you're the Cavs, are you just going to put Kevin Love in the post, back him down, let him chuck what? What, what lineup is that? Because I remember you told me about this recently, but I didn't really understand the lineup that... You, that uh, that is guard, like where your Demar Derozan is guarding Kevin Love. You can explain take that to lineup, take, take the Bucks lineup they started. They just okay. started this lineup against the Bucks. It was what um, Lowry, mm-hmm. Powell, Derozan, Tucker, right. Abaka. Right. That was the main five. Now, if you flip that against the Cavs, the Cavs go Kyrie, Jr., LeBron, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. Okay. So L- Lowry, Kyrie. Okay. Jr. I guess Norm or DeRozan. Pick your poison there. Okay. Either I probably played probably DeRozan. Probably DeRozan. Okay. So then that would mean LeBron, PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson, Ibaka. Last guy would be either Norm or DeRozan versus Kevin Love. Wow. <laughs> wow. But that's okay. So that's the super small lineup we were that I that we both mentioned a little bit just like slightly earlier where. Powell is playing in the starting five. It's just you. You can, I guess, if Kyle, if Kevin Love is killing you in the post, is it really that big of a deal? Like, I don't think so. But if you're the Cavs, are you willing to throw it into him? Let's say at will, and can he score sixty to seventy percent? Right. So it's basically is yeah. So it comes down to that. It's like if he kills you in the post. They're the the Cavs are so far out of their regular what they're doing, right? It's just like now they're a post up team where they have like three dudes hovering around, and Tristan Thompson is not necessarily a spacer, so you can also have like JV or Ibaka just like chilling, or it would be Ibaka in this scenario. You'd have Ibaka just chilling in the paint waiting for him. Yeah, Tristan you might, is a diver. You might be you might be onto something, maybe a little bit. I'm seeing you. This is like, okay, this is like the Lance Stevenson thing where we're talking about, where it's like, you give him such a big advantage at one position, where that they're forced to exploit it, but that can be self-destructive, because there are better options on the team that they're just going away from. That's what the Cavs do, though. Like we were saying earlier, they don't give a damn about giving up points. They mm-hmm. know they're bad. They accept that. So they basically double whoever your best guy is, or whoever they feel is the most ball-centric, ball-handler. And they do, you know, force you to make decisions. So we saw them against the Pacers in particular. They would double immediately Paul mm-hmm. George or Jeff Teague to get the ball in their hands. And usually it would go to Lance Stevenson. And then they're just and like... We saw that one. <laughs> and they were just like, yo, you know, do, you, do it. You, let's see if you can beat us. Basically. You get the fun Lance game. You get the one fun, like, Lance! Yeah. Even though he's a dickhead for 
everything with the Raptors, <laughs> but that's that's a whole other story. Right. But for the Raptors, if that's Lowry or DeRozan and the ball's not in their hands, we're looking at now Tucker, Norm, Abaka. Right. Abaka. Are you guys comfortable? Abaka a little bit. Slightly. I mean, I'm slightly. I'm pretty comfortable with Abaka making decisions at the top. Right. And he's been. He's from that Thunder squad that he was on to right now. His it seems like his game is like more mature than I ever thought it was. Right, where he's taking like turnaround mid range, like turnaround fades. Right, he's like facing up in the post. Like he wasn't doing that for the Thunder. Like, that is the no. That uh, type of Ibaka did not exist. Um, no, I was well. This is true, but I was talking about for the Kevin Love situation when they're guarding Kevin Love. It's like you know, basically they're goading the entire Cavs team into being like, "All right, so we're gonna give you this advantage." So like for the Lance Stevenson thing, they're gonna double team and he's wide open and he has to do his thing. Now we're gonna be like, "Okay, we're putting Norman Powell on you. This are you gonna be able to kill us that way alone without anything else happening?" Because we're gonna we're going to have basically the entire rest of the team matched up for personnel-wise, except for this position. So, do you it's think- unorthodox, mm-hmm. but it could work. Because the, when the Cavs are at their best, too, yes, it goes back to LeBron making decisions, being cerebral, moving the ball. But for the Cavs as one cohesive unit, when they make that extra second or third pass, especially on the swing to the corner, and they start making a rain from three, that's when they just avalanche teams and they right. run you out of the gym. Right. And we saw that time and time again last year with the Raptors. It's a huge issue for them in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Maybe Norm Powell and just telling them, hey, we dare you to throw in the post. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might work. I mean, I like the idea because when you're the underdog in a series, you got to do these weird things, man. And it's not, I'm not saying weird as in bad. I'm talking saying weird as in unorthodox where what the hell are they doing? I don't understand it. And then like, you know, they win a game, and then everybody's talking about it. I was like, Norman Powell on Kevin Love? How is that possibly working? And then everybody's trying to figure out and pick up the pieces on, on how it's actually um, how it actually works. So you, I think you got to do this. It's got to be, like, obtuse and be like, what, what are they doing? And then they, they win somehow by this crazy, um, crazy strategy. And I think you have to do that when you're an underdog. I know the Raptors are an underdog. I want to say they're, like, a massive underdog, but an underdog re- regardless. And I think yeah. you got to adopt these... Uh, this type of strategies. I think the other thing too is this goes back to the Cavs mailing it in for 82 games in the regular season. They're used to seeing teams play a certain way. Mm-hmm. This Raptors team is a lot different now since the trade deadline and adding a wrinkle in like that, you can't just really prepare for that in one practice or two practices. You can implement certain plays and little things to help you, you know, let's say it's like a backdoor cut or just something off a of motion, motion right. offense principle. Like you can implement little things, but you can't, rehaul your entire offense to, def- to just attack that you know so i think that that might be might not be a bad idea and i'm thinking about it more and more and more yeah i like those uh if well if tristan thompson's still on this on the on the court then ibaka is right there to support powell you know and kevin love has to make the decision on the pass and then you can have like people dropping down to steal you got some then you got you know then see like there's some funky options you know Norman Powell is probably not going to be jumping for to con- like block his shot. So when Kevin Love is making like a power move to the basket, you have a buck come over, and then Kevin Love is like, you know, you know what? I'm going to pass it, and then that pass can either get stolen, intercepted by Norman Powell underneath. So you know, that's a frisky strategy. Oh, I, do you think? Do you even think Dwayne Casey is going to be doing something like that? <laughs> like, I do, think you think, do you think? Do you think that's in his will. bag of tricks? Man, he has to. How can he know? I know he's going to watch the film and he's going to see a lot of times that one-two pick and roll. And when mm-hmm. they don't do that, they'll run that LeBron pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Where basically, LeBron, no matter what, LeBron's all handler. And if they want to get Norman Powell to basically get switched on to LeBron, they'll just run it with love. So right. when they run it with love, mm, okay. So then you're worried about. Issue, so you're right? worried. Like, no, so now you're worried about Powell on on LeBron. Yeah. I mean, this is a, hinge- a lot of it's hinging on Norman Powell, like how well he can actually play, which is interesting. Offensively, yeah. Offensively, you know, if he if he just makes a couple cuts, just in what six, six points a night, that's fine. But defensively, mm-hmm. is where he's going to be huge, and it's just because LeBron is so frigging good at everything. <laughs> like, he's going to be the ball handler, and he forces you to switch. Yeah, he's going to be the ball handler. He's going to be the guy in the post. He's going to be the guy shooting from three. He's going to be the guy blocking the shots, getting the steals. He's going to be the. He's just the dude. It's hard to deal with, man. I don't think there's ever been like a, a player 
that is just like all encompassing as him you know like literally every aspect of the game every single aspect of the game he has influence over and that's hard to deal with when you're <laughs> your opposing team man that's just like extraordinarily hard to deal with maybe magic johnson was pretty similar yeah in certain ways i mean yeah. he's like a hybrid johnson i mean he's just Jordan. he's like he's just if, so good he's like Ma- if magic johnson on was like did steroids that would be lebron james <laughs> seriously it actually would be, no, no seriously yeah seriously <laughs> okay what's the optimal lineup then for the raptors to deploy in any situation like what do you close with actually okay when i when i close with then i have right here i have i had to write this down i had to think about this and literally write it down i have lowry DeRozan, tucker right patrick We're patterson three Patrick Patterson. Four from four. Okay, we're the same. And then Serge Ibaka. Yep. Right. I love the switchability. I love the three-point shooting. I love the defense. Because it, when you got that Patterson Ibaka, Patterson's a, like a underrated rim protector. I'm not saying he's you know, going to destroy you at the rim, but he's not a slouch. And then um, that switchability, Ibaka, T- Tucker, uh, Patterson, that big man switching, like none of them are bad like super bad on the switch they can guard a guy for a little bit on the perimeter i don't think any of them is going to be you know ripping uh kyrie irving on the, uh, behind the arc but you know they can keep up within a few steps and stuff like that so that's the one like when we're down when it's like two minutes left to go in the fourth and we're like we're down one that's a, that's a five-man squad i want on the court what about you i i had the exact same five okay but here's my question for you Knowing the way the Cavs play defense, knowing they're very persistent on making somebody your weak link. Whoever they think that is, they're going to make sure that person has the ball. So in this lineup, it's either Tucker or Patterson. Right. Can those guys make plays? Man, this guy is with the tough questions today. Holy goodness. Patterson, yes, somewhat. I'm not. He didn't last year. I know, but the thing was with Patterson. I don't know if he just like lost the confidence because he was he was also playing for like 32 minutes a game in that in the previous series, right? And he was going over his like his usual minutes, and I wonder if he was getting tired. This year, he's like he's coming off the bench. This is supposedly his preferred role, right? He hasn't played a ton of minutes, so he should be fresh, right? And we've seen every we've seen in previous years in this season in this playoffs where he has that little pump fake two dribble and then like survey he can make the correct pass you know he he he's not immobile so he can also dunk it if if he's left wide open he's hits the three um he's not draymond green but uh he's not you know he's not like uh i can't even think of like he's not like mason plumley or something you know he's like there's not there's not many guys that are comparable to be honest i mean draymond is the ideal guy right exactly and that's why the team is so successful but um yeah I have confidence in him. P.J. Tucker, not so much. Oddly, P.J. Tucker sometimes runs pick and rolls for this team. <laughs> they did that in the Buck series, which didn't make much sense to me. But he's, he's a good screener, right? And he's a good screener. So I don't know, man. The P.J. Tucker thing, I think that that might be uh, the, the downfall of the Raptors on the offensive end. If we're gonna, if we're doing the Lance Stevens, if we're thinking they're gonna do the Lance Stevenson thing. I think 100% they will. Every game I've went back and watched them play against a team similar personnel-wise to the Raptors or even anybody we consider a good team, they always do that. Always. It's crazy. They don't. They honestly don't care. As long as your best guys aren't killing them, they're fine with that. Okay. Well, PJ Tucker, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's suitable to be making these amazing plays. But on the counter side, defensively, he helps you immensely. So it's like if you bring somebody more offensively driven, right? Then you're giving up defense. Yeah, man. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm looking at my. I'm looking. I have a bunch of lineups written down here, and I'm looking at my lineups, and I just don't see like a a lineup where I'm just like this team. This lineup is 100% solid. You know, I just don't have. I don't have a lineup where I'm just like 100% uh, convinced that they're able to defend and also do some offensive things right and it's just not it's just i don't know it's just not plausible and then we haven't even talked about like you know demar Derozan will f- 
probably go off for like 30, 35 in this series, in one of the games. And then what happens when he gets guarded by LeBron James? I don't know. <laughs> and then what? Like, because DeMar DeRozan's been the most uh, productive offensive player for the team. And uh, LeBron is a large man. Taller than DeMar. Uh, stronger, stronger than DeMar, than DeMar. Faster than DeMar. I don't know if he's de- he's probably still a higher jumper. I'm not sure. And, Here's the uh, other thing too. I know this is going to be music to Raptors conspiracy fans' ears. Playoff LeBron gets a lot of calls. Oh, I'm not trying to be that guy. Oh, I'm just being a realist here. You know, he's a superstar that's unparalleled to anybody. So he's going to get certain calls that Raptors fans. RTZ Raptors tweet zone is going to bitch like you would not believe. You know this already. So I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. That will. The you cons- know it's true. Oh, that's going to be an issue. That's going to be an issue, but uh, I don't think that he's going to get fouled that much. Like, unless you're JV, I don't think there's like the team isn't necessarily a heavy fouling team. PJ Tucker is somehow really good at not fouling, even though he's like such an aggressive defender. He's going to be attacking the rim. You know, this people get tangled up, people arms get hit. So he's going to get well, LeBron, fouled. LeBron gets away with two things, man. Offensively, he gets away with travels. Mm-hmm. Defensively, hand check king. Okay. I don't yeah, okay. I kind of agree with you, but not as much <laughs> not as much as hand check king. I you know, he gets away with a little bit a little bit of hand check. But I think that's a more, that's a prominent thing in the NBA right now. The hand check is is low key back. I don't know if you like if you uh, watch any of the games recently, like you'll see, like the the defender's got like he's got that right arm on the hip, you know, give him the give him the little like the cross, the basically a basketball version of like the cross check <laughs> or not the cross check, like yeah, like a cross check kind of. You're just kind of just like pushing him away. You can't really get away with that for a long period of time because then the, the referees will just call it. But it's back a little bit. You know, you never used super effective. You never be. You were never able to just like grab people off the ball until very recently. Like Steph Curry when he was when he was just like in fuego, then people would just like grab you off the ball and the refs don't call it, even though it's a foul. If anybody's touching you off the ball like that, that's actually a foul. But the defense is gonna be like, what am I gonna do? Just like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I hate to be that guy to bring it up, but I had to. Because you know it's going to get mentioned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, Rap- the Raptors Toronto- fans are great, but we're also some of the whiniest fans at times. The Raptors fans believe in the Canadian conspiracy. Okay, it's an American league. Why would they ever want a Canadian team to win the league? Even though it would be immensely, uh, <laughs> immensely like one of the best things that happened to the NBA if the Raptors won. Because then, like, Canada would be like, whoa, the Toronto team is actually good enough to win. And then, like, a bunch of people from Canada start watching the NBA. But, uh, yeah, the Canadian conspiracy is strong. It never goes away. Even though bad calls happen to all teams, man. They just never forget them. Yeah, but not like the Raptors. The Raptors have an abundance of bad calls. I'll stop. Because I'll <laughs> <laughs> I hear these people on a daily basis, and so I'm like, fuck. Come on, man. Give it a rest. Don't you get tired of this stuff, too? I'm going to have to get like, to the bottom of this. <laughs> like in the Raptors conspiracy, uh, the Canadian versus American conspiracy in uh, in sports. That sounds like a. <laughs> I feel like that's. I sound, sounds like a really good timeline. Of I wonder if it's a hockey issue, where, see, I don't really watch hockey frequently, but how often does a team get called for a bad call in hockey? I'll just give you a Toronto tip. Mm-hmm. Don't ever mention the name Carrie Fraser. Okay. Around Leaf Fitness. <laughs> I'll tell you off the air why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but just don't do that. That'll get you in trouble. That'll be like, imagine Tony Brothers. Wow. Well, Raptors. Our Raptors fans hate uh-huh, Tony Brothers. Uh-huh. He's coming this series, by the way. I guarantee you he'll be here for one game and the Cavs will blow him out. Oh, man. Okay. That's, that's how it works. That's what Raptors fans firmly believe. <laughs> when Tony Brothers refs the game, it's an L. Right. Okay. But okay. yeah, that's that's the com- the comparable for hockey so in Toronto. So for... That's a rev, like the refs. That's an X factor in the series. What other X factors do you think are going to be in this series? For me, it's the bench. Okay. I think both teams, their bench play is inconsistent, to say the least. A lot of them, they're very similar in a sense where the Raptors love to use Kyle Lowry in the bench, the Cavs love to use LeBron James in the bench. We've seen both these teams go on 
gigantic runs with their bench unit. Like, for example, the Cavs, when they came back on the Pacers in that epic comeback in Game 3, I believe it was, mm-hmm. that was all LeBron on the bench. Now, we've seen time and time again in the past, the Raptors, Lowry in the bench, goes crazy and either extends the lead or comes back from a massive deficit. How's that going to work against each other now? Mm. I don't Which think, bench has the edge? I don't think the Cavs bench is that good. But when, Me neither. When the lineups shorten in the postseason, then you know they kind of get supplemented by like the starters. But I think the, the Raptors bench is way, way better, man. Like... DeLon Wright off the bench, P.J. Tucker off the bench, then you got Patterson off the bench. I think I already said DeLon Wright, so Powell off the bench, Kojo off the bench. Like, that's five dudes, like, legit, legit players, contributors off the team that do multiple different things off the bench. And, like, for the Cavs, I just got shooters. I got Corver, Fry, Williams. Like, these guys, all they do is shoot. They're one-way players. So if there's going to be, like, some sort of pop, you know, where somebody scores, like, 20 off the bench is probably going to be like Shannon Fry, but it'll also be like somebody like Norman Powell. If he comes off the bench, he's going to score like 20 points and like dunk on like two people. And we're going to be like, whoa, who knew like the Raptors bench was such a, such a weapon in this series, even though, you know, we've known this all season. I'm kind of concerned about the bench, the three point shooting, the three point shooting has got you in the dumps, man. Yeah, there's, there's more to exactly basketball. What it is. There's more to basketball than three point shooting. I agree, but the, I don't get why they just don't be more aggressive. I honestly think if JV comes off the bench, mm-hmm. it will help, just because they're going to be forced to feed him in the post, and if he actually plays aggressively or how Jonas Valanciunas is supposed to play, mm-hmm. it could work. But if they don't and they get really passive and settle for threes and just go into these lulls, the game could get widened in a hurry because you know LeBron is going to attack that smaller group. Right. That's the only reason I'm concerned. And Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson, Kyle Korver, if he plays, like Darren Williams, if he plays, those guys suck defensively. They're awful. I'm pretty confident I could get at least a bucket or two against them. <laughs> and that's saying something. The yeah. issue with that, though, is that they can score on you at will. That's true. Well, they got defenders off the bench. The bench is going to be the bench battle. I think that's going to be a that's going to be a highlight of the series. Me too. And the Raptors just need to attack their bench. The Cavs are not good at defense. This is no secret. They know that. We know that. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. So be aggressive. Attack them. Try and get them in foul trouble. Get easy buckets. Just don't let them make it rain with threes on you. Because when they can do that, holy hell, do they just blow you out. If Norman Powell ever wanted to just become like Jamal Crawford for a, se- for a series, I think this would be the series for it. I'd be all for that. Because there's nobody really, like, he plays a shooting guard, right? Like, there's no shooting guard on the team that can really slow anybody down here. Like, I'm not trusting Jarrett Smith on DeRozan or Powell. And if they do any sort of switches on that bench, like, I'm not I'm not satisfied by Darren Williams' defensive effort, right? LeBron is, like, the only person that I really th- see as somebody that can, like, slow down Powell on this team. Other than, no, that's the only person, so... He can easily be <laughs> <laughs> so I can easily see him like you know dropping like fifteen off the bench, fifteen maybe even twenty off the bench, and that's huge, man. That's huge, huge, huge points off the bench. So Dwayne Casey, man, Dwayne Casey, if he's ever wanted like if he's ever wanted to just like put a stamp on the on the playoffs to show that he's actually like a really good coach, that's like this would be the series because because they have a lot of um utility pieces and he just needs to be able to use them at the correct correct time and he actually i actually think the raptors can win the series if there's somebody that he should go ring up it's his old head coach it's rick carlisle mm-hmm. carlisle is a master tactician with this especially with roster construction and deploying guys at the right times i think he would do wonders with this raptors roster to be honest where he could you know oh rick yes Car- he micromanages oh. point guards oh but rick carlisle Car- carlisle would help a lot when matchup wise against the Cavs. So if I was him, I mean, I'd watch film with him, consult him, you know, get as much info as I can and work off of that because people forget. Dwayne Casey was a part of that Mavs team that uh, took down the heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so, not by accident. So he knows how to defend <laughs> a LeBron team. Right, that's true. So are we, gonna, are we in consensus that we – for the coaching battle, who do you have, Ty Lue or, or Dwayne Casey? Slight edge to Tyron Lue. Oh, wow, that is. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm double backing on a lot of things I was saying Whoa. earlier before. Rewatching a lot of games, 
a Who lot of Cavs in particular. And rewatching, you know, I don't rewatch as many Raptors games because watching them on a night to night basis, mm-hmm. you got a lot of notes written down, a lot of things here and there. Um, Cavs, though, I just, their ability to adjust and force guys to do certain things. Right. It's so smart. It's really savvy. It's so simple. The Warriors do it a lot as well. But we saw last year with the Cavs, in particular against the Warriors, they made Harrison Barnes a decision maker. They made him do a lot of things he wasn't comfortable doing. And anytime they play a good team, they find that guy and they make sure he does it. Offensively, they're not afraid to abandon their base offense, which is pretty much just LeBron, one-two pick-and-roll situations. But if they find a guy that they feel is weak on defense, they'll just attack him at will in screen-and-roll situations too. And that's not all LeBron. People like to just point out, you know, that's Coach LeBron doing that out there. Right. No, just because he handles the ball doesn't mean it's him. Because if that was the case, he would have so many titles everywhere he played. Tyron Lue's making those adjustments. Wow. This is amazing. I think I, if I, <laughs> I think if I asked you this question like a month ago, you would have been like, Ty, Ty Lue, who, are you sure he's the coach? This looks like the yeah. LeBron's out there, man. He's the he's the only person speaking during the huddles, et cetera, et cetera. Which is true. Which is still relatively true. I mean, <laughs> it's the Pacers. Like they, they swept them. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't really tested, right? Okay. Game one they were tested, they figured their shit out. They were getting blown out a bit in game three, then they came back. That series wasn't as close as it might have seemed. Okay. That's interesting, man. I'm I'm giving it to I, I'm giving it, it to Casey? Yeah. And just because, even though in the first, the thing is with his first kid, like first game or two games of the series, he kind of looks like he's a little bit outcoached. But then his adjust, his ability to adjust is like second to like probably like uh, Steve Kerr or <laughs> Coach Pop. Pop. Like, yeah, like he's the only coach that I really can think like he makes an adjustment and it works. Like it always, always, always works when he makes that adjustment. Like he killed That's the true. he killed the Bucks when he played Norman Powell in the starting lineup, right? And like well, he, in the past series, like he's just anytime he makes the adjustments, like he makes it perfect and it works perfectly and it, it works the exact way he wants it to. Too. See, that's the thing for me too. Watching with Casey's in games, you're like, okay, why don't you just adjust this? In game mm-hmm. adjustments are kind of meh with him. Mm-hmm. Game to game adjustments, though, excellent. Like you just said excellent, awesome. excellent. Yeah. Right, so. That's why I'm giving it to him. Because I'm thinking, like, they'll probably lose game one like they always do. But that second game, I'm serious. I think they might win that second game in Cleveland. Me yeah. too. I'm all with that. I think they're going to give him a closer game in game one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I'm, I'm I'm hyped. I am hyped for this season. Or this series. I'm am I'm for this. Oh, this is it. <laughs> the rappers, this is it. This is it. And just to put a bow on the Toronto Lou thing. I'll give him a lot of credit because he recognizes that this is a bad team defensively. They're very inconsistent. They don't do as many things well as they did last year. Maybe it's a championship hangover. I mean, a lot of injuries. They're getting older. This this team hasn't played a lot together mm-hmm. this season, which is kind of weird when you think about it. They've had a lot of injuries to go with that too. Right. But he's recognized all that, and he's accepted the fact that, hey, we're not going to be like last year. We're not that great, to put it bluntly. So let's just do things we're really good at. And he makes sure they do that at will. So, I'll give him a lot of credit for that. All right, man. One last thing. Give me your prediction for this series. You ready? Who's, who's, who's win? Oh. This is not Homer at all. Raptors in seven. Ooh, wow. Raptors in seven. So, that's a hot take. I mean, not really, but it sort of yeah. is. <laughs> We've been on this. I've been on this before the first season started. I got the cash down on the Raptors win the East. So do I. I put my money. Out. Yeah, you're on that too. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the take is hot, man. And the take. Of course, it's hot because a lot of the American viewership down there is ignorant. When I was down there in DC watching the Leafs play, I'm watching first take in the morning. Mm-hmm. Why? I watched five minutes. It's five minutes of my life. I won't get back. So <laughs> whatever. I, I can live with that. Bucks are the next dynasty. Mm-hmm. Raptors are going to get swept. Mm-hmm. This series ain't even a series. Mm-hmm. My man, Steven, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get a lot of respect because people don't watch them play. But right. they're a lot better than what they were last year or the year before. And last year, they brought six games. Yeah, so I'm going to go seven this year, a little bit different. The Cavs have some serious issues. And I just I don't buy that they can shoot well for seven straight, four, four to seven games. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just like I just think the the rap the 
The Cavs have the best player in the series, but the surrounding talent is significantly worse than what the Raptors have. And I think that's going to be the difference. Because, you know, LeBron, I don't think LeBron's going to be playing 48 minutes a game. So eventually he's going <laughs> eventually he's going to have to come off the court and that's when uh that's when the Raptors will feast on him. And in those like, you know, 8-10 minute stretches, uh that's where you can win a game, man. You only have to in playoff basketball, you only have to have one run where it's like an 8-0 run and that's it and then the other team just never comes back in contact. Right? And then it's over. And I think the the, the Raptors bench it's so weird that I'm putting this on the bench now, but like the Raptors bench is so much better than the Cavs bench, man. It's so crazy how the disparity that exists. Like I, I think the Raptors bench is, and the utility of the bench is so much more significant than the than the Cavs. It's and massive, and that's why I'm, and that's why I'm in Raptors in seven. I mean Raptors in six because for the meme, but six <laughs> for the meme and the for the meme Raptors in six. But seriously, Raptors in seven, and uh, we're going to the finals. Wait, hold There's on, no hold on. way that they can lose <laughs> after that. I mean, that would be the biggest letdown ever. You beat the Cavs and you lose to the Wizards or Celtics. No, nah, man, they're they're way better than the Wizards and Celtics. So this yeah, is basically the winner of this series going to the finals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Book it. Yeah. Uh, issue two with the rap, the Cavs. Sorry, LeBron's played a lot of forty-plus minute games this year. Mm-hmm. You think he's going to slow down, or is he truly not human? Now nah, this guy's a superhuman man. When he when he dies, they're probably gonna like take his cells and like do tests on them to see if they can replicate a leather LeBron James. Just put him in the lab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Try and clone him. Uh, man. I mean, seeing the way he is, he'll probably like revive himself and just live a second life. Because, mm. You know, I don't know. He's just insane. <laughs> He's actually insane. The stuff he does. Man. All right, dude. Raps in seven. Raps in seven. I never thought it would be saying that for, for Cleveland, against Cleveland. Me but. neither. I never thought it would be saying that either. And people are like, ah, it's Homer pick. It's a Homer pick. It's really not this time. Mm-hmm. This is not a hot take. This is not a first take to get clicks or listens or anything like that. It's. I genuinely think they could beat them in seven. Yeah, the Raptors' offense is great. And then the Cavs' defense is terrible. And the Raptors' defense has been like one of the, probably the second-best defense in the playoffs. And the Cavs' defense is probably, like, the worst defense in the playoffs, you know? So, it just, you know, it just lines up where it's like the Raptors are just the the better team. Also, think about this with the Raptors, too, for a lot of people out there. In football, a lot of teams, you, you your goal, your first goal is to win your division. So, a lot of things you do on your roster are based to win your division. So, you're doing things like, let's say, like, the Bills or Dolphins. It's all geared towards beating the Patriots. Mm-hmm. For the Raptors, and a lot of teams in the NBA, specifically in the Eastern Conference, you build your roster in a way that can slow down or at least compete with LeBron James. The Raptors have fallen into that cycle where we've seen in the past they didn't have enough three guys, three and D wing players that could handle LeBron. Look at the overhaul in the past two to three years. This has all been geared towards beating LeBron. Adding guys like Damari Carroll, PJ Tucker, Norman Powell. We have so many different guys we can throw at him now. Ibaka to meet him at every, the rim. Yeah, Ibaka. Everything has been geared towards beating the Cavs. Everything they've done. And it's going to come full circle, this series. Yeah, it's a combination. Let's do this. Wow. You hyped me up. Even though I don't sound hyped up. I'm hyped up! <laughs> <laughs> Turn up! <laughs> uh, and six men in the building. Let's go! Hey, does Drake show up to any of these games? Oh, we should man. just get that out of the way before we go. Nah, man. He's just... I don't know. I'm. I'm he watched game six of Raptors Bucks with Carl uh, Malone in L.A., just to just to put the frame, just to frame where he is right now. Like he's in LA watching the Raptors games. He's not he's not interested in coming to watch the Raptors. Dude, he's living in. He's being a celebrity. So he's abandoned us. Yeah, For I good. mean he hasn't he hasn't been to a Raptors game since November fifteenth. Fifteenth, yeah, the Warriors game. Uh, question for you though, before before I close this out, mm-hmm. do we have Drake's bird rights? <laughs> no, nah, man, he's. <laughs> You bring him back under the cap, like. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. He's walking, man. The Lakers are gonna sign him. <laughs> no, the they Warriors. Need blood there. They need the blood. Warriors. They might as well get to play again. The Warriors will sign him just to just yeah, to sit yeah. on the bench, just to jap up Kevin Durant and uh, Draymond Green. Sigh. He'll be back. 
You know, you want to why he's gonna be back? Because everybody's gonna be back when the Raptors make the finals. Oh my god! If they make, yeah, that's He'll so be true. Back. <laughs> 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 the courtside seats like he's always been sitting there. He's like, yeah, yeah, Get the hell out of here, man. This guy's treating us like some IG ho now. It's hilarious. He's like Sergeant Abaka. Let's go. Right? Yeah, He'll he's gonna. Be he'd be Sergeant. He's like, yeah, Sergeant, Sergeant Abaka. Right? The, from the Congo? No. Instead of Surge, yeah. Yeah, he, he's gonna think that Biz still plays. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he hasn't been here in that long. Last time he was here, Abaka and Tucker weren't here. He's gonna meet these guys. Yeah. Right? I'm just kidding. I'm that would be so. Right that would be so funny, man. If he if he mistook uh, Serge Abaka for Biombo, that'd be amazing. That'd be such a. He can get away with those kind of things too because of who he is. <laughs> Biz, what's going on? He's like, I'm <laughs> All right, we're done. We're off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thank everybody for listening to uh, this Toronto Raptors podcast of tipofthetower.com. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Cranitz. You can follow Demar on Twitter at Demar J. Grant. Raptors in seven, guys. All yeah. friends for night. It's Stay legit, ready. man. So, yeah, 7 p.m.? Oh, we'll be back after the game. We'll yeah, have, we'll uh, be back. our initial thoughts, whether we're panicking, worried. Oh we'll man, give you, give you the temperature. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Until then, buenos noches. Later. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.